0: Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink Software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at mathworks.com.
1: Massachusetts gun laws could soon get tougher. The state Senate followed the House in passing a gun bill that would crack down on untraceable ghost guns, so-called, and ban firearms from certain public areas and government buildings. How long before the bill becomes law and what... Will it look like when it does? We talk about it with WBUR state politics reporter, Walt
0: Wuthman. Walt, welcome back. Hey, Simone. So first of all, how did we get here? This has been in the works for a long time, but we got here because the Massachusetts House of Representatives passed this huge sweeping overhaul of our state gun laws back in October. The Senate took a few months to sort of privately meet, meet with different stakeholders, talk amongst themselves, and then unveiled this, you know, their own version um, of a gun reform package a couple weeks ago. And then last Thursday, overwhelmingly voted to approve it after many hours of debate on the Senate floor. Um, So now we have two different versions, a House version and a Senate version, and then some compromise package will come together between the two. And and they're hoping to send, um, you know, a big gun reform package to Governor Healy for her signature.
1: Okay so we'll we'll get more into the politics of it later and the differences between the house and the senate bill but I want to point out that Massachusetts had the lowest firearm death rate in the country, according to the CDC's latest data from 2021, just 3.4% of of deaths were a result of firearms. But cities like Springfield have seen increases in gun deaths. Um, That city had 31 homicides last year, according to the police there, and that's the highest number in a decade. So some state lawmakers, Senator Jamie Eldridge, for example, they say gun laws still need to get tougher in Massachusetts. Here's what the Democrat from Acton said to WWLP News in Springfield before the bill passed. Well, I don't think it restricts legal ownership of, of guns, but I think, you know, I think most people feel that, you know, one uh, one homicide, one gun death in Massachusetts is is one too many. We need to tighten up that access to guns. So just some context here. Ghost guns, so-called, uh, have, have been increasing Uh, In in terms of number in Massachusetts, according to a Boston Globe editorial, uh, since 2020, Springfield police have seized 977 illegally possessed firearms, of which 86 were ghost guns. Um, So that's something that this legislation in Massachusetts is trying to address. Well, remind us of the big changes that lawmakers are looking to make with both the House and Senate versions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then to take that step back, you're you're right. Massachusetts consistently has some of the lowest, you know, one of the lowest rates of firearm deaths in the country and some of the strictest gun laws. And so advocates, um, you know, and the leaders in the House and Senate say, you know, Massachusetts strict gun laws contribute to that low gun death rate and they want to try to get it even lower by tightening them up even more. So there are several areas um, that both proposals, you know, would would do to kind of significantly tighten up and control, you know, the the regime of gun laws in Massachusetts. One of them is ghost guns you were talking about. These are guns that are sold in parts and then privately assembled at home. So you can buy, you know, the receiver from one dealer, you can buy other parts from another, put it together and make a weapon that, you know, would be illegal to buy on its own suddenly legal because you bought it in parts. So both proposals, House and Senate, would make requirements that each part of that gun be serialized. So it's traceable. Um, another another big area of agreement between the House and Senate is to expand the state's red flag law. This is a law that already exists. It allows people to petition a court um, for a judge to revoke someone's gun license if they're deemed to be in crisis um, or dangerous. Um, this has been a significant area of reform in states across the country, um, especially following mass shootings. Uh, and then another, another big thing, which was spurred by a Supreme Court decision, would be to ban people from carrying guns in certain public places. And there's a little difference between the House and Senate bills, but um, both the House and Senate would ban people from being able to carry a gun into a government building, so like a town office, city hall. Um, the House would expand it, that you couldn't bring a gun into a polling place on election day. Okay. The House also explicitly says you can't bring a gun into a school. The Senate says our state laws already do that. So they felt they didn't need to write it again.
1: Okay. So this is a key difference you just pointed out. We're talking to Walt Withman, WBUR state politics reporter. Um, Walt,
0: talk a little bit more about how the Senate bill, which passed last week, is is different from the House bill. For one, it's a lot shorter. Um, it's just over 30 pages. The House bill is like 126 pages. And so... Uh, it, the Senate bill got the endorsement of the Massachusetts Chiefs of Police Association, which has a lot of influence um, in Beacon Hill. And one of the reasons they they said they like the Senate bill better is because it is more concise. They say that means it's going to be more enforceable. Um, the House bill also is just, you know, there's more pages. It also is just kind of more expansive in what it does. So when we were talking about the red flag law, it expands the number of people who can petition a court To to have someone's you know gun license removed, the Senate bill does that as well, um, but it only. Let me let me check my notes here
1: because check them well. Um, in the meantime, one of the other things that I, I found interesting in terms of the Senate bill versus the House bill was this issue of licensing uh, for w- whether that authority is in the hands of local police officers. And I found it interesting that that the police chiefs are supporting keeping uh, that authorization local in, at the local level.
0: Yeah, and just to finish my thoughts, so the Senate version, you know, it's it says that family members, medical providers, and social workers can, can petition a court and say, hey. This person is a danger to themselves Mm. or others. They need their license removed. The House does that as well. And then it also adds school administrators and employers, which is something that Second Amendment groups really did not like. Meaning that employers can... Can say, hey, my employee is a danger to themselves or others. They need their gun license revoked. The Senate version does not have that. The House does. That's going to be a pretty key point of contention as they try to find a final compromise. Um, And then on gun licensing, as you said, currently... It's it's kind of a local process um, to you know inspect uh, to inspect gun shops. There've been problems with that. You know, both of the House and Senate agree. The House wants to just take it away from local authorities and give it to the Massachusetts State Police. The Senate says, hey, the you know local authorities can keep it, but if they need help, they can enlist the state police for assistance. And the police chiefs seem to. Keep, support keeping it that way. The,
1: the more status quo version, yeah. Right. Okay, so I want to talk about the Second Amendment perspective a bit. So, gun rights activists in Massachusetts are unhappy. With the existing state of laws and the, the new laws that are being proposed, mm-hmm. the possibility of, of gun laws getting more strict here. Um, in fact, Jim Wallace, executive director of the Gun Owners Action League or GOAL, uh, said making guns uh, – gun laws tighter has not made the state – more safe at all Uh, here's what he said while testifying before the state's joint committee on public safety and uh, homeland security last november if you just talk about violent crime and adjust for population massachusetts is the most violent state in northeast america but we hide behind this wall of wow we have the lowest gun death rate in the country the gun laws are an absolute failure they do nothing to help the inner cities all they do is keep us on, a, on our tiptoes that we may be a felon in waiting. The criminals could care less. Yeah, so some strong statements there, but uh, Wallace is complaining that, that there's a lot of issues that aren't addressed in, in the gun laws in Massachusetts and the proposed gun laws. Um, now, with respect to his comment about this being the most violent state in, nor- in the Northeast, uh, Mass does have the highest rates of violent crime compared to other New England states, New Hampshire, you know, uh, Maine, Maine. Uh, Vermont, according to the FBI. And they're defining violent crime as as murder, non-negligent manslaughter, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault. Um, But those rates are still lower than the national average. Um, And they're lower than they were 30 years ago in Mm. Massachusetts. But Walt, um, coming back to gun rights advocates, um, what are they saying about this bill since the passage last week? of the Senate version.
0: They, they also don't like the Senate bill. So Jim Wallace, um, who's the head of Goal, you know, he calls the Senate version an, an assault on civil rights. You know, the 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 right to keep and bear arms being a very important Second Amendment right, which they advocate for and defend. They don't like the Senate version, just like they did not like the House version. They're going to keep advocating against it. And then I've also heard some gun owners and specifically gun shop owners say hey, if any version of these new gun control laws pass, we are just not going to comply. Really, Openly. So at that same, you know, public hearing back in November, there was a gun shop owner on the Cape who, who said that to state lawmakers. You know, Massachusetts already has pages and pages and pages and pages of, of restrictions that are already so hard to keep up with as a, you know, law-abiding citizen who just wants to exercise my constitutional right. If you add more, I'm not going to follow them. Wow. Okay. Big words.
1: Um, The U.S. Supreme Court's decision in New York last year, um, a a lot of what we're talking about in Massachusetts ties back Mm -hmm. to that, the Bruin decision, which you referenced earlier. Um, But the decision recognized the right to carry firearms in public. For self-defense. Um, right after that, Massachusetts had to defend a challenge to its assault rifle ban, and it argued that, uh, and successfully that um, that this ban did not infringe on people's Second Amendment rights, as those rights were outlined in the
0: Scotus decision. Mm-hmm. That was a big win for state lawmakers, right, Walt? It was. Um Gosh, I don't want to use, like, too many puns in here, but, like, I think they would say they dodged a bullet with that. Fair, you know, if fair. the state assault weapons ban had been upended, it would have been a huge deal. And other states like Illinois have also suspended, also defended their assault weapons bans. Um, but there's this big question that Bruin leaves open of, you know, where you can openly carry for self-defense. And that was a big motivation for both of these gun bills was to really kind of limit where, where guns could be carried. So that, that's a big reason why they're trying to get guns out of government buildings, and the House is trying to get them out of um, polling places as well. Well, Wolfman, just real quick, what will you be watching for next in covering this issue? A conference committee has to come together um, between the House and Senate negotiators and find their areas of common ground. They have to come up with one proposal, which they are going to agree on, to send to Governor Moore Healy to sign by the end of the summer.
1: That's Walter Wuthman, WBUR, state politics reporter. Walt, great job reporting on this, and thanks for joining us on Radio Boston. Thanks, Simone.